Devin, Augie, and Kim with me. And these fine people are coaches, trainers, extraordinaire, housed in Redline Quality Fitness in Brentwood, Tennessee, right? Did I, how did I did kind of get the little affliction going there? A little twang. <laughs> so we wanted to talk about, uh, and I think it's interesting conversation, hybrid training, hybrid competitions that are kind of getting to be a thing. And these folks are professionals in this industry. And so I thought we'd use their, their fine minds to discuss and offer opinion about where this is going. So whoever wants to pick it up from there, I'll shut up. Where I think it's going? Well, how about, are people wondering why this is kind of coming about? I don't know. Because I kind of think, I almost hate the word hybrid because it makes the sport sound like it's a pull from multiple sports when I think it has its own thing stands alone. Like I kind of think it's the evolution of people realizing that they can be fast and strong. It's kind of the culmination of what we've been learning about the body. It's like, oh, you can run a 10K and you can still deadlift a lot, but you can move some weight and you can still row. And I think that with science advancing and athletes advancing, it's not really like, I hate it to be termed hybrid. I kind of think it's like a culmination more than it's that. It's kind of like where it's, where sports maybe are going, not all sports, but like where endurance sports and strength sports are kind of meeting. And I think it's taken over both personally. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, you said the whole thing about an athlete can be strong and run a fast whatever. I think with CrossFit, with their inception, Greg Glassman's original sort of depiction of the ultimate athlete was someone who could you know, deadlift 500 pounds and also run a five minute mile. Well, now a lot of people can do that. So how does that, how is that any different than a hybrid athlete? I'm just playing devil's advocate. Augie, thoughts? I, I kind of align with where Kim is coming from that uh, this is just how people train these days. This is where fitness has evolved to. So it's not so much a bunch of disciplines meeting together there. This is the discipline. This is how people train. This is how golfers train and hockey players train and Gymnast, or not gymnast, maybe not, but you know, this is how people train now. It's all strength. I think that you know, CrossFit really founded the movement. We can't say that right. they, they didn't. They did a lot. But right. what they maybe missed or are going away from is the skill barrier eliminates people from like playing. Like you do need to be able to move your body in space. I think gymnastics is important and a lot of us have fun doing it. But what they do by throwing in a lot of high skills is they strip away the core fitness and what hybrid has done is it's really just made it kind of all go and not always go in the same like aerobic or anaerobic time frame. but there's no real like skill of strategy of being super competent at a movement that's not like a run or something foundational yeah the so, bar is low enough for everyone to get the relative intensity of it mm. and also i mean it's it's the same every time i think that's a big draw too right the thought that i had is completely off point compared to what you guys just uh, suggested is I looked at it like, uh, and this came to me, the epiphany just came to me this morning. I look at it like uh, the automobile industry right now, like the hybrid SUV, right? It can operate on gas and it can operate on the battery. And the battery is short lived. You can't, you can't stay in that battery very long, but it's very powerful where the gas will give you the endurance. You could go a long way on the gas, but they don't, you know, for the environment and whatever. But it's kind of like that. It's like they're trying to give you both. They're trying to give you the ability to go long 
and the ability to be have more power. Because a battery-operated car is more powerful than a gas engine car. The torque that you get out of a battery-operated car is massive, right? So it's like the energy systems. When you're doing something that's enduring, you're in a particular energy system. And when you're doing something that's very powerful, there's a polar opposite energy system that you're operating in. And so this has been my jam lately. And as I suggested to you, I just had somebody come out here from the UK that I'm working with. And I'm seeing more and more of these people coming to see me. And what we do is we, for A, you guys know this because we did it together. We try to identify how the engine's operating. Where are we drawing our energy from? And what are our capacities based on the energy we're drawing, right? So I think that triathlon was like the first hybrid sport where endurance exclusively. And you know, if you've heard the old stories about how this all came about, where Commander Collins was in a bar with some friends and they, I could swim two miles and I can do this and I can do that. So they all got together and said, okay, let's do it. And they, on the island of Oahu, they swam two and a half miles in the ocean, 112 miles on the bike and ran a marathon, right? And so you're looking at this as kind of a hybrid sport. You got three different things you have to uh, tackle. Now, what you guys are doing and I might be out of school by even saying this, but uh, you know me, I don't care. Uh, what you guys are doing, doing is you're taking this high rocks thing a step further where your fitness competitions are requiring a much higher level of strength. Am I wrong? No, you're right. No. And now, but the running component's a little weak. I mean, if it were me, I'd like to see a little more run go on in this because Truly, if you're going to say, well, I want to see the guy be able to run, but I also want to be really strong. I think that we're kind of heavy in the heavy and a little light in the light, right? There needs to be a little bit more, just me talking, a little more massaging in the running component. Massage the run. I like that. So I, would, uh, I would argue that the heavy might be heavier than you think. Like, I think that the I would agree that the run is weak, but then I would also counter that we've kept our lifting weak. We've kept it's the not same as heavy as you think it is. Yes, it's not as heavy as you think it is. Like I would oh, say, yeah. I agree. There's not a ton of volume of running in our gauntlet, but I think the strength is equal to the volume. I think people have gotten real strong. I think the hybrid uh, community and the OCR community doesn't really know what strong is yet, especially when you're when you're taking somebody who can run one k's, you know, at, at the pace that some of these high level high rocks athletes can run. I don't think that they could really be a level of strong that like a Nashville Fit Games athlete would require, at least in my mind, in like the pinnacle of like who is the strongest man and woman that it will ultimately, maybe three years from now when it's a little more developed, win the Nashville Fit Games. I don't think their, their level of strength is going to be like eons beyond what a high-level High Rocks athlete is right now. And I think that's just because, like Augie said, a lot of this stuff comes from how we train and – we just train like really strong, if that makes sense. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah, like to put context in it, we would put like a fast men's 1K, like upper twos, right? Like for running, just a 1K or like 1K repeats in high rocks. Like the fast oh. guys are doing upper twos, right? Uh, no, faster than, no, it's slower than that. Upper twos, okay, that's so three. Yeah. So Last if you put three, but like strong for lifting, like, there's dudes deadlifting like 800 pounds and heavier. So like, I think that both are weak in, compar to, in comparison to where the runners are real fast and the lifters are real strong. 
Yeah, the athletes haven't evolved yet, in my opinion, of like actually strong by its definition of strong and then actually fast. I've kind of heard it in a sense of like, I, we are, uh, we are stronger than your fastest runner and we are faster than your strongest lifter. It was kind of like what you want to be. You want to, you talking about for the fit games for our event? Yeah. I'm like, why we, we, where we, right? yeah, where we kind of train and why we think our weights are, or where they are. I mean, we, you should be stronger than. Cause we, personally, we, I would say you don't have to be very strong to do high rocks. You have to be strong than most runners but you don't have to be very strong yeah look at yeah. chris she's was a yeah there's definitely a, a a level that just to get into the game in high rocks from a weight perspective you need to be in order to compete i have yeah. clients i work with that are spartan racers and the runners whatever and they just don't have enough butt on them to push that sled they can't do it it's just it's way too much to ask of them and then, uh, so I agree with you. I don't think that there's, it's really a strongman competition by any stretch, high rocks. But I can tell you that the strong in the game suffer the run and the runners in the game suffer the strength. And so that, there lies the rub in that. And I think that's kind of where if it we, kind of, Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say that become, that's what kind of causes it to be what I would consider to be hybrid. Now you guys are at a different level with what you're doing in strength. And as Kim su suggested, we're kind of scraping the edge of what strong might be. You, you know, it sounds like to me, if you had your way, the weights would be heavier, right? I mean, in general, I think that as we keep doing this, we're still learning and we're still growing athletes. I think that like the strong athletes can get faster and the fast athletes can get stronger. Like we're really not at the peak yet of what the fast, like, well, it's all talk about Liz just because she's not here and she's gotten very strong. I, and she is an, a fast person. She came to us as like a fast D1 record holding runner. Mm -hmm. I think that her potential to be fast and strong is still greater. Like I could see her deadlifting like 350 and still running really fast if she were to totally focus on it all. So I think the creation of that athlete is still like in like pre-inception. Is that making sense? Yeah. Words are hard. You think she took offense, reflecting on it now after you said that, do you think she took offense when I told her she needed to pick up some weight? No, she needed to be told that. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, I just thought, well, if you want to you do well in this sport, you probably need to get, gain a little bit of weight. I think, I think that was a great thing for her to hear. I think if she actually, like, and granted, yes, she's a brand new mom, but if she actually decided to, like, go full high rocks, that she, other girls would not have a chance against her. No way. No way. Not even close. But with that being said, um, kind of like what I'm thinking about this now, why high rocks has taken off so fast. And, again, I haven't done what I'm I'm always watching from the outside because my job is fitness and competitions and stuff. I think that High Rocks is smart in the sense where they've, and Augie said barrier to entry a couple of times, the barrier to entry is pretty friendly and anybody can do it even if you're not fast and even if you're not really strong because absolute strength is something that takes a very long time to develop. If you're a good runner, you can be a great runner in a fragment of the time than if you were a good lifter to be a great lifter. It's, you, as you know, the, the, the gaps in the time, the time it takes to get strong versus fast is way different, way different. And so again, smart. And I think that probably the, the tests after the runs are smart because anybody can do them. Um, the weights may, maybe not out of the question for somebody who needs like three months to train for, where it's like, if there's a certain, let's, let's say they got to pick up a certain weight on the floor. And if you're, if you can't do it, 
it's, it's going to take, take you years, if not months minimum, minimum to develop out right. So I think it's just taking off fast. Anybody can do it. Well, I, I think for it to be a competition, it's necessary that the entry level is, is low bar. Yeah. Because their success is is based on the numbers, and what they're what they're trying to do now is turn it into two day events, where oh, wow. they, they land in an, in a, a venue somewhere, and they have enough people to go through the day, and then enough people to go through another day because they're already established. It's like when you they're doing set, that this weekend in Miami, actually. Yeah, but it's not working out. Oh, it's not. No, it's not working oh. out because they, they don't have enough people. And part Ooh. of the reason is they cannibalize. Gone. <laughs> they, they cannibalize themselves because they had the, last week they had an event in Dallas, right? So Dallas and Miami are fairly close when you when you're looking at a competition. But if you put put 100% into it on on one weekend, the following weekend odds are you're still not going to be 100%. You're not going to be able to bring the game you hope to bring. Do you know what their average volume is per event? How many people participate? Yeah, I have no idea. I was in, I've only gone to one event. I went to Chicago, and that would seem to be pretty well. What year? This year. Oh. I think I was there. You were there. The year that you and uh, this one came. I went in twenty twenty two. Did you see me? No. No, I. I, You know what? I I only went to Chicago because it was. I was so fast. I bet. That's why you didn't see it. <laughs> no, I just, uh, I, I'm not one to actually uh, visit these events just to spectate. I hate spectating. But I had some skin in the game. I had some people that were racing and uh, it was close enough. I said, you know what, get off your dead ass and go and watch this thing, okay? I left at noon, you know, so I flew to Chicago next morning, saw the thing, showed up at eight or whatever, nine o'clock in the morning. And by noon, I was looking to get back to the airport and go home. The predictability and repeatability of the events is like so smart for them on a numbers standpoint. Like you said, in order for them to be sustainable, the numbers have to make sense. I mean, you can go to High Rocks down the street or you can go to High Rocks in Germany and it's going to be the same event, right? The venue might be different, but it doesn't change the the stimulus. It doesn't change the weight or the order. That's like right. everybody knows what to expect. Right. Well, I, to take it a step further even though they're going to different locales to put on the events. One of my clients, matter of fact, he's racing in Miami this weekend. He was in Dallas the previous weekend in Chicago, the, the event before that. And through his Strava or his Garmin Connect, whatever the heck it was, he was able to see how many steps he took in each event. That's some rock hard stuff, man. It, it was only like within a couple of steps different between Chicago and Dallas, which was pretty impressive to me because I know that they're, uh, what do they call that zone? Rock zone. Rock rock zone. zone, So they're in this transition period, right, where they got to go to, even with that being different in different locales, they got it down to a pretty close. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It must be somebody with like a CAD drawing mapping out the distance because that is impressive. Also, good on him for keeping his steps the same. I was like walking around in the rock zone lost. Yeah, uh, I've been running with it with the beep in my head. I don't have a metronome yet, but damn, calves are on fire. You were right. Honestly, I learned a long time ago that if I if I'm going to be successful in the business I'm in, rather than throw myself all over the place <clears throat> trying to chase triathletes or chase soccer players or whatever, they all got to run. Yeah, and so they all got to visit me if they want to run better. And it doesn't matter whether it's going to be. I've worked with sprinters. 
I've had a couple of clients that were at UCLA and uh, USC, 100 meter, 200 meter runners, right on up to ultra marathoners and basketball, everything in between. I'm curious to see what the percentage level of, we'll call them athletes, the pro high rise athletes, are all, are, they're all just like runners. Like, is that their background? I could be wrong. I'm just speculating. I, I want to know well, that. The world champion, when we first got together, he was uh, about 200 pounds, 195 pounds. And really pretty amazing runner for his size. The challenge he put on me was that in order for him to win the Spartan World Championships, which is at Killington in Vermont, that back then, he needed to beat this guy that was about 140 pounds up a mountain. And the guy could run. He called him a chicken nugget with legs. And so Hunter being near 200 pounds, it was quite a challenge to get him to be able to have the endurance Forget about fast, the endurance to compete on a mountain run like that at his weight. And so this brings me to the separation between these events is that repetitive 1K running starts to tap into your endurance. It's not about just going out 1K hard, especially when you pepper it with uh, the exercises in between. You got to recover from it and go back and run well. And in High Rocks, if you can't run fast, you can't win. It's down to that. Because I think really it's almost a non-issue when it comes down to the actual lifting or the, the strength components in the, in the event. Because everybody's pretty close to each other. And yeah, even the time it would take to run, even if you're fast, is always a longer time domain. They've done a really good job about them all being similar time domains. But the actual on-paper time of the transition lifts and rows and skis is always going to be less than the run. Right. But anyway, the, the, the bottom line is endurance is a, a critical component of the process, not just about being fast. I mean, if you could, you know, like the comment about uh, running a, a sub five minute mile and deadlifting 500 pounds. Now, that would be that's a challenge. I mean, especially. Well, obviously, you're doing the deadlift first, right? Yeah. Yeah. You just blow your legs out and then have to try to put it together and run a five-minute mile. I can't even imagine how painful that must be. Let's do it, Richard. You can help me do that. <laughs> Dude, I am way past lifting up anything besides this water bottle right now. Augie can change that for you. Augie's our silver sneaker specialist. Sweet. I could actually go to silver sneakers. I, I might even be able to get a free membership at your place because I – I'm that guy. I've got that <laughs> senior discount. Uh, AARP is that what it is? No, I don't know. What so you kind of feel like that, with High Rocks that the the weights are just they're fine because everyone's kind of about the same, and the running is the factor. Running is the factor for it's a our, running. Yeah, I, right. I do believe. So when we go back to our events when we think you know we want the weight to be a factor. I think yeah. you're absolutely on point because right. I don't think that the running in that in your event is. Okay. A factor. If we massaged our running, like you suggested, we wouldn't change the weights. I wouldn't think you should. Right. I wouldn't okay. think you should because I think let's just take it down to time under tension. So it's the, t it's the amount of – okay, I was going to say that. Go ahead. Finish. Yeah, That's time under calling. tension. How much load your body's taking on, whether it be running or whether it be lifting whatever you're doing, whatever exercise you're doing, and just compare the two and see are you off balance a little bit. Believe it or not, I, I'm not just about. I, I said this to you guys before. I'm not just about the run. I, you know, it's just an it's it's an integral component of the process in competition. You know, whatever we got to do to get across the finish line first is what I'm all about. So if you got to do a lot of lifting, you better get strong, right? And if it's going to go far, you better be able to run, right? One way or the other. 
I'm curious if like high rocks at some point, especially the high level athletes will get like if the implements, I don't want to say too easy, but if, if some of the weights and the sled weights and even the wall ball weight and maybe even rowing for calories versus distance, I, I wonder if, what do you think? Do you think that they're going to need to evolve out of what they're currently doing? I'm glad you brought it up because my thought was, and I've shared it with a couple of people in the past, is I think they should have weight classes. Mm. I think a weight class is, to me, almost more important than age categories. I'll take a weight class. A heavyweight boxer is always going to beat to beat a, a lightweight, right? It's just... What is it like Clydesdale? Is that the yeah, triathlon? Exactly. I, I operated under that moniker many times myself. <laughs> yeah, well, weight class is perfect. Well, I'm but if you think about it, I have, yeah. I have people that, are, that would love to do high rocks. Be so much stronger than the string beans, right? <laughs> Well, but just, just find you know, me a girl 174 I, that wants to run with me. Yeah, right. When, right. when, when a 135 pound athlete walks up to that sled and it weighs 440 pounds, he just like, he hits it and it's like hitting a wall. He's not going anywhere. Right. And it's pretty, you know, that craps you out. I got a, I've got an athlete in, in Mexico city I work with and you know, he's doing high rocks and they just changed the game or not high rocks, but uh, Spartan. And they just changed the game for the national series. Now it's down to a three K event. You know, because they're trying to get to the Olympics, so they shorten the thing up. It's stupid, ridiculous, right? And he's frustrated with the event and frustrated with the, the sport. And he knows that all of his friends are going to high rocks, but he can't play because he's not big enough. I will say, too, and I know we keep like saying, oh, we're so strong and high rocks isn't that strong. There are few things that I have ever done into a run that are more taxing on that system than pushing that sled. Like even like at my weight, it, I thought it, it was extremely detrimental and heavy feeling. Like it's a heavy weight, especially for what you're doing. How about the burpee broad jump? How'd you feel about that? I thought it was fine. It's like kind of the shortest thing. I almost wished it was like longer cause I didn't want to run again, but it's a personal problem. <laughs> I have a lot of people that they, when we look at the cost of work, their burpee broad jumps are just brutal. Trying to run after doing the burpee broad jumps, I've had people say it was harder than coming off the sled and running. Is that because mm -hmm. your lower back gets fried from being hunched over for you know a couple minutes? I have no idea why. I'm just saying that collectively, I've been seeing a lot of that. People just like, oh. I mean, shit. it is where Liz passed me. Did she? Oh, nice. <laughs> She's lighter than you, so the weight class would make more sense. I know. I mean, 30 more pounds every burpee every day. She'd be a killer today if there was a weight category, right? I think the burpee broad jumps probably, and this is just me thinking out loud, like it's a, it's a very similar off the ground action as like a running maybe because you're kind of that jump press off the lower leg. Ooh, let me get nerdy. I wonder, you probably know more because you've seen more. I see some people on the burpee broad jumps in high rocks try to clear, they think they need to clear as much ground as possible. But I think like when I've watched like Hunter or that other girl with the dark hair, that's like the best ever. I forget her name. Um, she also just had a baby. Lauren they don't, they're, they're like, yes, Lauren, they're okay. It seems I could be wrong. You have to ask them with doing more burpees by putting out less effort, like doing, it might take me three burpees to your two, but I didn't max my broad jump every time. Some people will kneel and get up rather than just try to bring both feet together and jump. So they'll kneel, get up, kneel, get up, kneel, get up. It takes longer, but from a, from a, an economy standpoint, they seem to be more economical doing that. Yeah. When we do burpee anything or burpee over a box in our classes, unless it's like a really short burst and you got to do it 
for time, I'll usually coach like step out of the burpee. You know, like you said, like it almost like a lunge out of it because it is way more efficient and you can continue that same exact pace longer versus if you're jumping every time you're like, you know, throw exploding your hips per rep. That's probably well. I don't know. So you guys have been in your place for a little over three years now. Is that right? Uh, almost six. Oh, It'll really? Six in like two weeks. Well, I, yeah. You know, I, I heard you say that on a, on a video thing you did. So I'm just behind the times. Oh, you know, you're right. As far as our location, yeah, business. Politics. So I have a question. Have you noticed a shift in your audience where people are starting to really get into this functional fitness mentality as opposed to just going in and geriatrically going through the plug and play type of workouts? I would say, yeah, I think one thing that's refreshing and surprising, and one of our members actually said this to me last week, I was making a joke with her about whatever weight she chose for the workout. And then she like looked at me and smiled and said, don't be, you know, stop messing with me. I'm new to being strong. But the way she said that to me made it seem like this is somebody who probably done Orange Theory in her past or maybe even, you know, just gone wide in her own thing. But wherever we're kind of at in this fitness climate, uh, and I think Kim said this earlier, people are like enjoying this feeling of being strong. Do you think, Augie, you've seen a lot of different and coached CrossFit and different types of coaching? Been around longer than me? I haven't been around that long. I feel like people are, yeah, when people come in here, that's that's their goal. They want to be stronger and not just. Well, I think, I hope that maybe the, the market is more educated now and realizing that it's like losing weight and getting skinny fat is not like, that's not health. It's not, it doesn't make you feel great because you're ne if you're chasing that, you're never going to be happy. Right. Um, Maybe 5% knew it and now 7% know it, <laughs> but it's a, still a jump, right? I think it's kind of like you just said that general population kind of cares about how they look. I think taking it back to that hybrid athlete too, I think it's really might just be about where they can play to some degree, like, and Hyrox has given you an arena with money to play in, you know, or b both like where the opportunity is provided and what their bodies are capable of. You know, if I could run a four minute mile, I would probably be running a lot more than I am because that's where I could play. If, right. you know, if I'm competent at Hyrox, I'd probably do them a lot more because there's money and I could play there. So kind of the, the general population is always going to be aesthetic based. And I think that hybrid athlete is, might just be evolving because, oh, you could still play. Oh, you're not, you know, running the fastest mile time, but you still have a good engine and high power output. Here's somewhere you can play. Okay, so hybrid athlete needs to be able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, you know, faster than a speeding locomotive, right? This is kind of what we define as being a hybrid athlete. Well, I'm curious, too, because you come from so much more of a running and endurance background, and you've been doing this for so long. What are the running, some running metrics you think are necessary for a hybrid athlete? And do you think that they'll keep getting faster as these athletes get stronger? Like when you say hybrid athlete, what speed is that for you? Like what's a, is that like you run an X mile and you can lift this? Like where is your brain wrap around a hybrid athlete? Well, the only comparative that I have right now short of what you guys are doing is high rocks, right? So it isn't just about being able to put together one fast 1K. It's about being able to come back and put collectively eight 1Ks together and not, you know, fizzle out towards the end. And so there's a heavy component of endurance involved in that. 
But there's also, and you, know, you guys know, I bang the drum about this quite a lot, about the, the anaerobic energy system that they're really taxing because you got to go fast, you got to go short, and you got to recover quick. So it's not just about the run so much as well as it is developing the energy system to be able to support whatever comes your way, whether it be running, throwing a wall ball, doing burpee broad jumps, whatever it might be, you just have to be able to stay at a level of intensity. So I think, in my opinion, to, to define a hybrid athlete, it's being able to sustain a great level of intensity and stay the course for a greater length of time. So it's a collective process. So I get back to the nuts and bolts of it, which is how you develop your energy system. And this is where most of the endurance people that I know don't get it. They, they don't, they do not get it. They're so like oh, locked into zone two training. I'm going to say it's zone two. And no, I mean, that's not what your body wants of you, especially if you're hoping to win something, right? You got to be able to throw down and you got to be able to throw down long. And that puts you in a different energy system and you need to be able to be okay there. I, I look at the, the whole picture. What do, we, what do we need to do to get better at sustaining those levels of intensity that we need to sustain? And that goes back to, like you suggested, it's hard as hell to push a sled, right? And coming off the sled and being able to run. That trick there is where the energy system comes in, right? If you get lit, you got this, all this lactate built up in your legs and wherever, and then you got to go try to run and you're just punch drunk. Your body doesn't want to do it until you rid yourself of that lactate. And there's a timeline associated with that. If you really get lit and your body's not conditioned to dissipate that lactate quickly, you're stuck in the mud. You're just, you're going to need five minutes. I've seen a lot of people that are coaching these hybrid athletes making the cataclysmic mistake of giving too much recovery between the work. Like I have a guy do like a really heavy exercise and take five minutes. Go run really hard and take five minutes. Is there, is there any case where you would advocate for maybe five is, five is aggressive, but like advocate for like a two to three minute rest? I don't like to put a timeline on it because the best indication of your recovery is your heart rate. If you use heart rate as your recovery metric, for example, let's say you're hovering at 170 beats per minute in an effort. You're generating a ton of lactate. And in your training, you'd probably want not to redline, no pun intended, but to be somewhere lower than that red line and have the recovery be say like 25, 20 beats below that. So you're still under pressure and you're not maxing out. So you're in this window where your body starts to address the stress. It figures out what to do about it. Whether and that window is always a lesser intensity work or is it ever nothing? No, like it's to bring someone into it's, that? It's progressive. So you're going to start with a manageable amount of stress and recovery and progressively shorten up the recovery and progressively increase the intensity. Is that recovery though, like I'm doing nothing or am I jogging slow versus? Like, like active recovery. I'm sorry? In that recovery, is it? I heard what you said. I didn't hear what he said. Oh, oh I was just trying to maybe define it as like what you were saying, Kim. Is it like, is it sitting on the on a bench or is it active recovery? Like jumping jacks or jogging or just biking? I get this question all the time. Should I walk? Should I stop? I think that a lower level of intensity keeping moving is, well, I've seen it to be more effective. I've seen literature that suggests that the mental 
That's it was very good. Well, you recover faster if you go to a lower level of intensity, but not slow way the hell down or or stop or walk. It takes twice as long to recover when you do that. See, that's, this is the problem. It's like people that have these indiscriminate numbers that they work from where the recovery is concerned and even the intensity. They go ham on the intensity and they want to take a shit ton of recovery. Well, the game doesn't allow for that. You can't, you can't do that. You have to moderate the intensity so you could stay in the game. Specifically the game of hybrid racing. We talked about this and just because I have it here available, I'll show you the outcome that I, we're talking about. So check this out. <clears throat> so this is Hunter McIntyre's VO2 test over time. And the top one, I don't know if you could see it that well, but the top one shows that his VO2 score was 67.2 and his top heart rate was 174 beats per minute. And his threshold, which is the green line at the top here, was just a little north of 167 beats per minute. At 167 beats per minute, he's 65% into his fat stores. So this is very, very effective endurance result. The bottom test is him going into this hybrid mentality, CrossFit, high rocks, and you can see how his threshold suffered. Now, at the same level of work, his threshold now is 133. He sacrificed over 30 beats per minute and 35% fat utilization. And he went completely into anaerobic metabolism at 138 beats per minute, where in the upper one, he was able to go to 170 before he was all in. And you can see the bottom one, how that orange line goes way to the top corner. Yeah. This is him under a lot of stress, a lot of lactate. And the and, heart rate way lower. Yeah, it, well, but the point being is that he shifted exclusively into his sugar stores at 138 beats per minute. And the interesting part about this is through his own admission, he races at about 170, 175 beats per minute. So what he's done is he's, he's developed the tolerance of that ensuing production of lactate and or the, the ability to evacuate it, to move it out of the muscles more effectively than most of the competitors. Some of these guys trying to chase him are getting lit and can't get out of it. <laughs> they, they're just like stuck in the mud and they just can't solve the problem. I'm just kind of lame in terms of it. Like, yeah. so if you're, you know, you have less muscle, then you have less tools to work with. And so Hunter put on mass. So he kind of just threw more tools in his body to deal with everything. And so some of that muscle fiber that he didn't have that he has over the skinny guy is beneficial to him yeah, to flush yeah, out yeah, all and, those and things. Going back, going back to what you suggested, lay terms, he didn't even know mm -hmm. the mechanism that he was imposing in order to end up where he ended up. He right. just looked at he looked at CrossFit and said, I need to get really, really strong because these guys are way stronger than I am. And for me to have any chance, I really got, because I know if they put me in any endurance type of activity, I've got a prayer. But I need to be able to lift a lot of weights. So he went hard into lifting a lot of weights. And so he started to really go after these fast-twitch fibers, which is contrary to the aerobic conditioning that he'd been doing in the past. And then taking it a step further, going into high rocks and adding the run component to the strength he was already developing. And it just happened to be a perfect storm. So let's talk about your event coming up. Speaking of hybrid sports. Yeah. <laughs> well, let, let, before we go there, let's just kind of define what your event is. Because so people listening to this don't, don't know what we're talking about. 
Okay, cool. So we have that first event, the Fit Games, which is a, a multi-event day to crown the fittest in Nashville. You'll see running, biking, lifting, um, short time domains, what I would call a moderate to long time domain, but you would probably not. You would probably call it still short. <laughs> um, you'll see body weight strength. Um, what else would you see, Og, in the Fit Games? Power, repeatable power over time. Um, and then coming up this May, we'll have just a one and done competition where it's one event. The event's 40 minutes long, but it's broken up into four 10 minute windows. Every window is going to start with a run. So a 600 meter run, and then you will go into a different, um, type of work. So you'll have two stations that are a run into a lift and then two stations that are a run into another type of machine conditioning piece. And whatever rest you earn on those stations will be yours until the next 10-minute window. And everyone runs this, the same amount, and they share the work that's after the run. So when you say a uh, couple machines, we're talking about probably an assault bike and what else? A rower. A rower, okay. So basically, we could just I could outline the whole thing. I didn't have to be so cryptic. <laughs> but um, from zero to 10 minutes, you and a partner, say it was Augie and I competing together, we're going to take off on a 600-meter run. When we come back from that 600 meter run, we'll have a assault fan bike and we'll have to accumulate 60 calories together. So a little bit of work and rest, even though the run is together, the bike is shared. And then when we finish that bike, we'll have to do 60 box jump overs. Whatever's left in that clock until 10 minutes, we get to rest. At 10 minutes, we'll take off on another 600 meter run. When we come back, we're going to do 50 clean and jerks with an odd object, a weighted D-ball. Whatever's left in that clock from 10 to 20, we get to rest again. So a lot more rest than high rocks. And then at 20, we'll take off again together on another 600-meter run. And we will come back and we will share 60 calories on a row. And then we will do 60 weighted synchronized lunges. Again, we'll earn whatever rest we have until 30 is ours to keep. And then at 30, we'll take off for our final 600-meter run. And when we come back, we're going to hit 60 bench press and then 30 burpees together. So if you finish one of those segments in seven minutes instead of 10, you got three minutes to recover. Yes. yes. I think the very fast people will be around six minutes for every, if you're a very fast, if you're an efficient runner and you can get work done, you'll be in like the six minute zone. I think that you could be in the seven minute zone and survive in the competition. Longer than seven minutes, it's going to be a rough go. Yeah. So how's that looking so far? I mean, did you say it was going to be a team thing too? So it's yeah. only teams for this one. So is it mixed doubles or? You can do mixed doubles or uh, same-sex partners. So we have there, I guess, there's three divisions, and then you can do the competitive division, which is ultimately heavier everything, more calories on the machines. And then the fitness division is for people that, uh, you know, maybe don't train as seriously and want to just do it for fun, um, but they still like a good challenge. It's a little lighter on the weight. Same volume on running and less volume on the calories. So there's four combined scores. Yeah, so you'll have four combined times. So if the first round takes you five minutes, the next round takes you 6.02, your current time is 11.02, and then you're going to keep adding to that time. Got it. We're getting some good traction, and, uh, and I'm happy to see a lot of people that compete in the Fit Games are coming back to do the gauntlet because, you know, it's, this, it's essentially a Fit Games event. It's just a, a team edition of it and more of a, a streamlined hybrid race and this is in music city 
yeah, we're downtown Nashville for this one. At the um, they've got a thing called the Music City Fit Expo, which is kind of like a convention for anybody in the fitness industry. You know, whether you're a bodybuilder or you sell protein or t-shirts, anybody can come out and there. Yeah. It's just all kind of well. It, you know, that's cool. I I I love that you're doing this. I I think that. Uh... You know, it's just a unique challenge that people are starting to embrace. And I, I think that it's absolutely the direction that it seems like the fitness industry is taking right now. Our whole the whole reason for starting this was we just wanted to bring better competitions to Nashville that more people could do um, that didn't have to be CrossFit. Because, I mean, personally, on a selfish note, I'm 35. I don't, I don't need to be walking on my hands anymore. Like, I don't want to. I think some of the feedback, too, from people who do do CrossFit um, that took part in our first competition is that when you take away those things like walking on your hands, uh, yes, the barrier to entry is low, but it's kind of harder because you have, it's all your power output. It's all go. You can't, you know, strategize how you're going to break up a high skill movement or kind of shake it out to think about breaking up a set of whatever muscle ups or hand walking, standing things you're doing. It's like you're putting output and you're putting output and you're putting output and then you're still putting output and then you're putting output right. and you're going to see if you're better than there are no else. implements that will slow you down or besides still, yourself except beside yourself right we're going to see i i think it's a fascinating subject i think it's going to be interesting to see how it all kind of unfolds you know i think what's going to really change the complexion of all of this is money when somebody steps up and throws a yeah. million dollars on a world championship of whatever fashion you're going to see more players show up for the game more pe people are going to be more dedicated to tasks to, to earn that million dollars. Yeah. And I just feel it's, it's unfortunate that these guys that are putting these things together, they don't have enough juice to draw these outliers that are sitting out there looking at this going, eh, I ain't doing that. What yeah, hopefully <laughs> they'll, hopefully they'll, they'll have this down. I mean, they seem like they have a, a well-oiled machine. So once that explosion does happen with that money input, they're going to be – it's a function well, of because the there's other goes. things that don't run like you're not running well and all of a sudden they get the influx they're like oh damn we can't handle it and then it's a hot mess and it implodes well if you look at what spartan went to abu dhabi do you think that that was for nothing somebody stuck a big right. check oh, yeah. in somebody's yeah. pocket oh yeah and it did not land on the athletes that won the event like the dubai fitness championship same old it, thing yeah that money that money's out there for the owners and the uh, promoters but you know what yeah. they do with that money is what's going to define the future of the sport Sports i don't wise. think any facet yet of fitness racing we'll call it whether it's crossfit or high rocks or spartan we're so far behind just an mlb game <laughs> well <laughs> like, no it's it, yeah you're absolutely correct and, and it's got to do with uh viewership yeah. You know? yeah yeah or even a golf tournament for that matter when Something it's hard yeah. It's hard to view the sport, and I think that's an advantage Hyrox has over Spartan. If all things were equal and they were both awesome businesses in the perfect world, Hyrox would still have that advantage of at least you could watch it, mm -hmm. even if you can't watch it well yet. The truth is, is the next sport is our event, the gauntlet. It could very well be. Yes. It's certainly going to be in Tennessee. <laughs> 40 minutes of your day. You're going to be a, yeah, household, a household name, man. You got to come hang out. I don't like to watch events, but come hang out with us at least. We well, have a VIP suite. Please that let you your friends have. at CBS Sports know about it. it. <laughs> I'm on it. All right, guys. Thanks so much for coming, and uh, I look forward I to seeing you guys. Augie, I'm going to see you very soon. Yeah, we'll come out and see you for sure. Yeah, well, it's always good hanging out with you, man. All right, cheers, guys. I appreciate it. Take care. All right. Yeah, bye.